Welcome to the House Top Podcast, the teaching arm of Oikos Ministries. Jesus said, Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light, and what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. Join our host, Terrell Abair, as he teaches God's Word. Well, welcome back to uh, our live broadcast of Oikos Ministries. Uh, it's our Facebook live segment. Of course, it'll uh, show up on YouTube and our podcasts on Spotify. And I think now we're even on Twitter, whatever that means. I don't know how to do that, but it's, uh, we have that. And so uh, uh, we just want to welcome you uh, to our service this evening. I also want to invite you, if you would, go to our website, www.housechurchesusa.com. And uh, you could view all this. Uh, you can hear all our teachings online. You can read our books. We're going through the creation of marriage uh, online. Uh, I'm your host, Terrell Abair. And so without any further ado, we're going to get to our lesson tonight. We're on chapter four tonight in creation of marriage. And just to uh, sum up a little bit, we've dealt with two major issues. One is let there be light. Uh, we're, we're, we're walking through the book of Genesis, chapter one. And all the issues pertaining to marriage. And uh, in chapter one of Genesis in particular, you know, it starts with let there be light. It's the first uh, spoken words of God into the creation. And we looked through that issue of light. And we found that the light of this world, the life of Jesus, the revealed life of Jesus is the light of this world. And walking in relationships means to walk in the light. And so it literally... Uh, a, a God-filled relationship is the is the beginning and the healthy foundation for any marriage, any home, any marriage. And then uh, we looked last week at the image of God, that we were created in the image of God. And through sin, we lost that image. And uh, really, the spirit of man dies when he sins. And all that's left is the soul, the mind, will, and emotions in a physical body on a clicking uh, top, uh, clock. Uh, ticking clock. That's more like it. And so we, uh, we're looking at a, 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 a physical expiration date on a, these bodies and, and, and our souls were going to live for eternity. Uh, yet our spirit is dead because of sin. And God wants to restore that through the cross of Jesus Christ. Come to the cross and have your life restored in Christ. Die with him at the cross. Be buried with him. Come up a new creature and let God recreate you in Christ Jesus so that you could once again bear the image of God in the earth and reflect his glory everywhere you go as you're filled with the glory of God. Amen. So this is uh, the two chapters we've covered. And again, you could see how the ingredients of that would make a sound home. And we've covered our first marriage vow is, is that uh, I will be a worshiper of God because of the restoration of the spiritual life. I will be a worshiper of God. I'll be careful to display his image that was recreated in me through Christ Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I will pray for you and with you daily. So that's our first marriage vow that we go through with people uh, when we uh, do marriages. And, uh, and I would encourage you out there, if your marriage has been suffering or hurting, you need to look into that issue and yourself dive into that. Look about, look at in your own life. Do you need to have your life restored in God? that you would once again bear his image and reflect his glory in the earth, that you would once again restore that to your own home where you're a worshiper and that you uh, lead your family 
and pray with your spouse, with each other and for each other daily. Uh, this can turn your life around and will turn your life around if you would just yield that to Jesus. And so tonight we're going to read. I want to reread in uh, Genesis chapter one. And it says in verse 26, and God said, let us make a man in our image after our likeness and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. Now, there's a whole lot in those three passages right there, the three verses. Last week we dealt with, as I said, in the image of God. Tonight, we're going to look at dominion. He said, let them have dominion. And that Hebrew word uh, dominion, uh, raw dog, uh, is literally almost raw dog. It raw dog, it means to have dominion. Literally, if you look carefully at this word, it, uh, it has some, some really strong connotation to it. And uh, it, it means to tread down. It means to prevail. It means to rule over. I mean, when you think of applying dominion nature, God, remember now, God put a dominion nature in us. He created it. It's, this is part of his creation in us. And he's created us, male and female, both have this, a, a dominion nature. That we, uh, if, you, if you apply this in life in general, for instance, uh, it, it serves you well in your work. And, in, 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 uh, you know, if you're if you're a farmer or if you're a, 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 a industrial worker, uh, no matter what your occupation would be, this is what makes us have drive and 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 the go get them and the and the strength to do that. And, and, and so but when what we don't ever see is God saying have dominion over one another. You see, these are terrible words. If I if I use my dominion nature to tread you down or to control you, or to overcome you. These are terrible applications to our, and, and it's a perversion of our creative order. But when you study this word in the, Greek, in the Hebrew language, you'll see almost every time it's used in the Bible, it's used by someone exercising dominion over another human being. And it's really a perversion of what God wants from us. God does not, listen, God does not want you to control another human being. <clears throat> now, let me tell you something. I don't want control over me, much less you. I want God to be in control. Jesus is our Lord. And so when we start seeing that this is a major issue in the home, the subject, you know, is about dominion. <clears throat> but we've we've called the subject on this one divine order. God has created a divine order for the home. And I believe that order should look like this. Uh, if you if you would think in the military terms, the stripes on a, a sergeant's shoulder would say, you know, the little triangle would be God would be the first stripe, man, the second stripe and women, the third stripe. Now, I can hear the, the groanings out there in in Facebook land is uh, this generation who how dare you think? that someone would have authority over a woman. Well, 
now it's so bizarre. We don't know uh, who a woman is anymore. They, you know, the birthing people or whatever they're calling them nowadays. But the fact is, there is an authority structure given by God. And if we would adhere to it, let me say something. It, it, it following God's authority structures is not saying someone is better than or worse than or less than greater than none of those issues. Following God's authority structure means that you're just in submission to God. And that's the real key here. If we'll submit to the way God has things and we'll get into his order, God is a God of order. He has ordered the universe. He's ordered the stars. He's ordered the rotation of the planets. He's ordered everything is an orderly arrangement. And if we would arrange ourselves under God, then we would also enjoy the order of his created purpose. It's only when we get out of order that we have problems. You know what a word disorder is? Let me tell you something. There's a lot of money being spent every month. People are spending tons of money trying to treat disorders. You know, if you would put your life in order, you would, uh, a lot of that is going to fall right into place, folks. So uh, the subject tonight, is divine order. And what we're dealing with is keeping the dominion nature of man pointed in the right direction. When I say man, mankind, men and women, we both have a dominion nature, keeping it pointed in the right direction, useful for what we needed to do, not trying to control each other. Look, when Diane and I, my wife, were, uh, before we were married, we weren't saved. And uh, we, we, we would argue because I would try to impose my will on her and try to force her to get her to do what I wanted. She was doing the same thing to me. And it creates a problem. Uh, We're always trying to get some manipulate or force or out argue to get our own will done. And in Christianity, when we surrender to the Lordship of Christ, I'm not looking to try to get my will done. I'm looking to see God's will done. And that's what happened when I surrendered to Christ. Diane surrendered to Christ. Then we both were seeking the will of God uh, for our marriage, our home, not for our own wills. We were literally trying to put our wills away. So stay with me. I'm on the top of page uh, 36. You know, the Bible says the heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth has he given to the children of men. So an important thought here. The heavens belong to God, but the earth is he given to us. What to do again to put our dominion over the earth. Uh, I'm going to read another psalm right now. If you'll look at Psalm chapter eight. Psalm eight. It's a great verse. In verse six, it says, well, we'll start in verse four. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels and have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. So God created us to have dominion over the works of his hands. Look at there. And so that word dominion, overcome, tread down, uh, have victory over, uh, control. We're We're to literally conquer the earth. The works of God's hands and all of his creation, but we're not to direct this at one another. Keep going. Watch it says. 
Uh, you have crowned him, uh, excuse me, you've made him to have dominion over the works of your hands and you've put all things under his feet. Isn't that a wonderful passage? And when we look at the idea of man's place in God's creation, that here's this vast earth that God has created and he puts us here and he wants us to have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, everything that walks or crawls, everything that has fins, feathers, and animal feet. You know, we want, we're to have dominion, but not over one another. And I want to tell you tonight, this is the most problematic issue that you're going to face is try to get someone to do what you want them to do. And manipulating that, it is a terrible thing, whether by hook or by crook, whatever manipulation, uh, treachery, forceful fear, whatever it might be, this is a downfall of many a home. And it's a terrible way to live under bondage to someone else's control. So the terrible way to be. So let's look at it. What's the cure? We're calling this divine order. Now, when dominion is properly directed, it's a blessing. But when we turn that dominion nature on each other, it turns to a curse. It's a fight. It's a war. Where do wars and fightings come from? Don't they come from your own lusts? Huh? That's, what it, that's what the book of James chapter 4 says. That, that war in your own members, you fight and war and you cannot have, you ask uh, because you don't ask. You ask, but then you can't. You still can't have it because you're asking wrongfully. Literally, we're trying to even manipulate God to get what we want. It's a terrible thing when you fall into this. And I found this out. Listen carefully. If you find yourself in touch with someone who is a controller, all right, the bottom line is this. Most controllers are the most fearful people there are. They're trying to control everything because they're afraid. They control out of fear. Now, they might seem like a, a brutal tyrant and a dictator, but I, I want to tell you, I believe some of the most evil, famous controllers on the planet, tyrants, I believe even they were very insecure, fragile people who were scared of everything. You see, and, and, it's, a, and it's a terrible thing. And, and look, breaking a controlling power is, is, is a, maybe I'll get to that a little later, but for right now, let me just set up the whole discussion about this. And so when we see the idea of a controller so insecure, so full of fear, that it has to control every situation. It might get out of their control and they might, oh, they're just scared to death. So they, they put that fear in everybody and manipulate with fear. It's a terrible, terrible thing. Okay. Let's look at what Jesus said about this thing on authority, because that's what it gets down to. Divine order will be a, a, a subject about authority. He said in uh, Matthew chapter 20 through uh, verses 25 through 28, Jesus called them, his disciples, to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord, uh, lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them, yet it shall not be so among you. Let him be your servant. Uh, excuse me. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. Whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Look at there. 
And so Jesus sets this order, this, this order issue straight. The disciples were wanting to know who was going to be the boss about everybody. And Jesus said, oh, no, 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 no. That's the way the world does business. That ain't the way Christians do business. Here's how we do it. The princes of the world exercise authority and lord it over people. But it won't be that way among you. You know what I found out in the church world? That's exactly how it is in the church world. That some preacher wants to control everything. I've seen it a million times. And I tell you, it's a terrible thing. Uh, it's, I learned this lesson early on in Christianity. I'll tell you right now, this is a parcel of ground that I'm willing to die on. I won't be controlled. I'm ready to lose it all, life included. I'm just not going to be controlled by any human being, period. Simple as that. Now that my mind's made up, but you know why? I would rather die, physically die, than live under the tyranny of someone trying to pressure you at all times to do what they want you to do. Not going to happen here. Now you say, well, that's pretty strong and out there on a limb. Well, I think you better make up your mind or else someone is going to try to manipulate you and control you. Hmm? Stay with me. All right. So Jesus told his disciples, if you want to be great, become the least. Become the servant of all. I mean, look what he said here. He said, the son of man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Look, give your life away. And we're going to see a key here. And when we understand this, if we're if we're not trying to always be the boss of everything. And we enjoy getting under instead of getting over. It's such a more pleasant way to live. It's such a more peaceful way. Look, there's only one fit to be Lord and you ain't him. His name is Jesus. And he is rightfully king of kings and Lord of lords. We'll get back to that in a few minutes. Now, <clears throat> look, once we're restored back to God's image in the earth, we could also be back uh, restored back into his order. Let me tell you something. There's so many people's lives that are just out of order. Now, remember what I just showed you on the sergeant stripes, God, man, wife. This thing is so out of whack in so many cases. I've seen it where... If you go into a home, it looks like this. Children, and then everything else is crazy. The children run the whole place. I've seen it. Nobody's in charge. The kids, whatever the kids do, we react to it, and that's who's in charge. You know, when I was growing up, call this old-fashioned, but everything revolved around my parents' covenant with each other. And all the old, every, every person I knew, every family I knew, it was the same way. It wasn't about the kids. There were no kid-centered homes. They just weren't. Huh? It just wasn't that way. It wasn't all about, it's all about the children. You know, it's all, no, it's not. Because the little kids are going to grow up and become big people and leave. And then you're stuck with a person you don't even like. Think about it. Well, we're just staying together for the kids. Oh, come on, man. If that's so, look, your children are the fruit of your covenant. Think this through. <clears throat> if they're the fruit of your love. Please understand this. <clears throat> Restoring this back to divine order brings so much peace. 
The Bible says that God is not the author of confusion, but of peace in the churches. <coughs> Excuse me. So understand this. When things are out of order, the opposite of order is chaos, man. You will have confusion. When you have order, it brings peace. It's the fruit of order. <coughs> Excuse me. So if your home is, is, is full of, 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 of fussing, fighting, chaos, look, you could just walk into a house. If a house is totally undone, the, the, the beds aren't made, the furniture's under, there's no clothes folded, there, everything's out of whack, everything's out of order, you don't know where anything is, nothing's put up, dirty dishes in the sink. This is a picture of a house, a home, a marriage out of order. And I'm not just putting the heavy on the wife, it could be every last person in the home. We get to it. Stay with me. Look, this kind of clutter in a home is a reflection of what's going on inside of each individual and what's going on in the relationships in that home. And I've seen people who, when you go out and meet them in public, they look like, I mean, they are pristine. Their appearance is perfect. And you go back to their house with them and it's like someone blew up a bomb in their house. Now, it's like, okay, so why project that in public when you live totally opposite of that in private? Think that through. It's, a, it's an important issue. Stay with me. <clears throat> so the first picture of divine order is God over man and man over creation. Now let's get to it. Here's the other picture in the new covenant. We're going to read it. Ephesians 5. Verse 21-33. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for a husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. He's the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church, gave himself for her. And he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. And he might present him, present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their wives, their own wives, as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. Just as the Lord does the church, for we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respect her husband. So we're going to get back to that more thoroughly. But remember, I want you to see this right off the bat. I'll get back to it and reemphasize it just a bit. This whole discussion in Ephesians 5 about marriage is really about Christ and the church. He's just using the physical picture of a marriage between a husband and wife as something that was universally understood in Christ's day. Today, it's not so understood. You see, marriage has been... Uh, put in a position now to where people treat it like, oh, well, I'll just, I don't like you anymore. We, we, we have irreconcilable differences, divorce. 
It's gotten so rampant and it's so costly to divorce and it's so hard on everyone involved that people quit marrying and now they just live together in fornication. It's a terrible sin. It is a sin of fornication and it dishonors your bodies between each other. It is not blessed in the sight of God. And so if you want to live together outside of a marriage covenant, then you're literally living in what the Bible calls fornication. It is a sexual sin. The Bible says no fornicator can enter the kingdom of God. You will go to hell for living that way. You cannot enter the kingdom of God. And so, so many, and then others are putting themselves through divorce and remarriage, divorce and remarriage, putting themselves in perpetual adultery. This is another issue that is very real. And a no adulterer can enter the kingdom. We have to treat marriage with the gravity and heaviness once you're in that covenant, you're in that covenant. You don't just change it because you say, I don't like it here. You, you're in it for good. You say, well, I need a, a plan B and an exit strategy. See, I won't do a marriage with a prenup in it. Not knowingly. This exit strategy is not going to happen. Not in my thinking. If you're already planning on how we're going to break up, I don't want to do a marriage with you. Then go to a justice of the peace. Go get you. Let the state uh, uh, join you because I sure am not. I don't want to do that. So when we see that this is between Christ and the church, here's what we've lacking in understanding. We are failing to understand the strength of covenant. Now, we don't understand a blood covenant. When you remember this now, when you vow on the altar of God and say, until death do us part, you have just entered into a blood covenant with your spouse. Now, I believe that if you're going to have any strength of that at all, you have to first enter a blood covenant with Jesus Christ himself. That's why he's speaking of Christ in the church. The church are people who are in blood covenant with Jesus Christ. I entered blood covenant by faith in what Jesus did for me at the cross. Jesus' blood was poured out for me. He died in my place and I, by faith, believe that that and only that is the redemption. This is how God bought me back from my sin. I believe that his blood forgives my sin. And God confirmed that through faith. He, he met me there and confirmed it with the Holy Spirit of promise. And literally, his spirit bore witness with my spirit that I'm his child. And he gave me the new birth and he filled me with the Holy Ghost. So look, the the, the idea that I have been fully adopted into the family of God. And so this is all done by faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. I am in covenant with Jesus Christ. And I find that it's the most important covenant that I've ever entered. And it would be the most important one you would ever enter. People treat this like we don't understand covenant today. We just don't. It's not taught on hardly at all. Here's a here's the normal uh, way to get saved now. Lord, just say that y'all all bow your head. Everybody close your eyes. Nobody's looking around. Lord, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and forgive me. Amen. What is that? It's not a blood covenant. It's not even a good prayer. It's truly not biblical. And so when we start seeing this kind of issue, even the church itself doesn't understand blood covenant or how to bring a person into covenant with Christ. It's a terrible thing. And if we're going to have successful marriages, it's going to start in the church. I'm really, uh, you know, it, well, I, I won't go into that. Let me just stay with our, our issue. We have to understand blood covenant right here. If you don't get blood covenant, you don't understand that. 
we're going to fail so often. Look, did you ever buy a car, brand new car? Anybody out there? You, oh, I hope you have. And you bought that new car, and boy, it's got that new smell. Ooh, you know the, you know the smell. It's addictive. Ooh. And six months later, now in the old days, they give you a coupon book. I mean, that thing looked like a phone book. Paid in payment. Mine stayed that thick. It looked like for 15 years. It's like, oh, when does it ever get paid off? And about midway, that new car smell was gone. But I had to keep paying him notes because I was in covenant with that mortgage. Or they take my wheels and I'm walking. And I like riding. So we stayed in covenant. Let me tell you something. Marriages will be tested all the time. But we stay together because we're in covenant. We're in blood covenant with one another. Have we ever understood that? Keep Stay with me. When you say till death do us part, you're swearing by your own blood that you're going to stay with this person no matter what. You're going to fulfill what you have just promised before God and witnesses to that other person. Now, this is an important thing, and I believe God calls you to it. Look, when Abram, when God called Abram, this is way before the law. This is way before he called Abram out of his own country and. And, and God was going to bring Abram into covenant with himself. And he told him, he said, get you a, a heifer of three years old and a goat and a, and, a, and a ram and a turtle dove and a pigeon. And so he didn't, this wasn't like a sacrifice. This was entering into covenant with God. He, he, he hacked through that cow. Would I, oh, think about it. Now, look, if you're a deer hunter, whatever. An animal like that can put a lot of blood out there. I'm just, you want to talk about a mess, walk up to a cow and start hacking. He chopped that cow in two halves, split it long ways down the middle, half a head, half. Then he did it to the goat, he did it to the ram, and then he pulled off the head of the pigeon and the dove and he poured that blood on the ground. So he, and then he walked through the parts in a figure eight, and that figure eight was a representation eight in the biblical prophetic words or the numbers of new beginning. And he'd walk through those pieces in a figure eight and he'd say, the Lord do so and more to me if I do not perform the vows of this covenant. See, marriage counsel would be so much easier if I just took an ax. Oh, you're not going to do these vows? Okay. Let's do so more so to you and well, I'm going to tell you right now, the old covenant had a lot of blood. Let me tell you something. How much sore punishment shall it be on us in this new covenant when the blood of Jesus was the bloody mess? We are by faith entering into covenant when the son of God, the sinless, perfect son of God bled for me and you. And when we enter into covenant with him, we come in under submission to him. Listen to this word submission. The word submit means to arrange yourself under him. Order yourself under his lordship. Wait a minute. It's divine order. I arrange myself under the lordship of Christ himself. Now, let's read a verse in Philippians. 
It says in Philippians uh, chapter 2. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a, a bondservant and becoming in the likeness of men. He be being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow those things in heaven and of those on the earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, so Jesus Christ, because of his obedience to God to die on the cross in place of all sinful men, sinless Christ died in the place of sinful man at the commandment of the Father, and because of this, God has exalted him to the highest place of lordship. He is Lord over all. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. He sits at the highest place. And the Bible says every knee will bow. And so now he's saying, bow your knee now. Bow in submission to the Lord of, uh, of all. Bow your knee to Jesus Christ. As we bow in that humble submission uh, to Christ, you better do it now because he's going to force people at the end of the earth to bow. It will be forced submission before he sends them to hell. And you'll be submitted to a life of torment. What he's saying now, listen, let's get back to our text from Ephesians. Submitting yourselves one to another. Once we're submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, we, the, the natural order of the new birth is submission. We are submission. We're in submission by nature of the new birth. It's part of the partakers of the divine nature. Christ himself became a bondservant. He made himself of no reputation. You see, trying to puff our reputation is one big thing of pride. Here's what so many people miss right off the bat with Ephesians. Submitting yourselves one to another. Mutual submission. This is the thing that I believe is key to a marriage. Mutual submission. Diane and I have been counseling couples for almost as long as we've been saved. It seems like God has always had us trying to work through some issue with somebody else, whether it be a personal salvation or fixing a, a home, a marriage, some wayward child, something we've always been. But marriage in particular, when we see this, it's, it's been amazing to me when, when someone comes to us and says, we're having problems in our marriage. And they may have been to another counselor. And the counselor just puts the heavy on the ladies and says, wives, submit. They start right there. Wives, submit. And it seems like the man has liberty to do whatever. Just wives, submit. And if they aren't just submissive to the man, then they're a Jezebel rebel. I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that kind of counsel uh, from, from preachers, from ministers. And I, and I just disagree with it wholeheartedly. Now, let me just say this. There are some, some mean women out there. There's some bad women. I'm just going to say, I used to think there's, I was like, how do you find a good man anymore? I was like, where? And then I said, well, how do you find a good woman anymore too? There's some mean women out there, but there's some really rude dudes too. And I'm going to tell you one of the greatest rudenesses of all is to non-communication. Stay with me. Y'all don't get mad and leave now. Now I'm fixing to really meddle in your house now. 
Don't don't get mad and turn it off. Oh well, we was doing good. I was you were just about to tell that heifer to submit to me. No, it ain't about that. It's mutual submission to the lordship of Christ. All right. And so before I get into wives submit, and I will, and I have no problem telling a woman to be submissive. But let's just jump ahead just a little bit. Let me talk to men for I do better talking to men. Uh, I think I. We were talking about it earlier uh, in the last 25 years or so. I, I, I've gotten to a point where I was like, I don't get men anymore. I don't understand. I, I am one, but I don't get them. Um, I don't understand men who are led by emotion. I don't understand men who have no drive and no. Uh, I don't understand men who won't communicate. I just don't get it. Oh, hang on now. I know I'm meddling. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Now, how did he do that? He died. He died for her. Look here, dude. You over there trying to get married. You dating that woman. Look, look, you melting that phone. Oh, baby, I love you so much. Baby, I can't wait to see you. I can't wait. An hour on the phone. baby. I can't wait to talk to y'all to job. Can't wait to see you. Baby, I love you so much. Love you. A week afterwards, you don't talk to the girl no more. What happened? You 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 conquered? You married her? Now you got her, boy. Now what? Does it live the rest of your life in silence or worse? Meanness? What happens? What goes wrong? How can we in a courtship be whispering sweet nothings as long? Oh, my goodness. Well, we, I used to talk to oh, baby, baby, baby. And that's back when we had to be, we were hooked to the wall and you had a cord this long. You trying to, oh, you trying to say I love you? All the families. Are, we thought we died and went to heaven when they made the twenty foot cord, and then they made one with battery. Oh, we so high tech. We talk, 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 talk. Thank God we got saved and got all that junk out of our system before we got married. Praise God. But folks, listen to me. Why uh, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. I want you to I want to point some things out about this. He died for look dying to your own self. Look, if you're going to get married, I mean, maybe you ought to sell the boat. Cut the cord. You can't go hang with your partners all the time when you got a wife. You're in covenant with your woman, not with them dudes. Oh, come on, man. If you're going to live for a hobby, man, don't go get married. Just marry your golf clubs. You're not that good at it. I promise you, you're not that good at golf or fishing or hunting. I've hunted with a lot of them. 
You're getting in covenant with a wife. Can you have a life? Man, you better let all that other stuff die. It's a drop of the hat. No brainer to me. I'm in covenant with Diane Abair, not with anybody else. With her. First, priority one. You call me anything you want, but one thing you got to say is that I got 40 years of marriage, still happily married. I ain't paying a bunch of alimonies and child supports and all that other stuff. Still married, same girl, love her more today than ever. Ain't going nowhere. It's still good. Husbands, love your wife. You call me whatever you want to. Tell me about how proud you are that you, I ain't let no woman count me nothing. Go ahead, boy. Show them what for, big boy. Yeah, you got that. That judge will tell you something. Write him a check, boy. All your money. And then some dude moves in and spends all your money. Oh, yeah. And then you can come bark at me again about how proud you are when you broke kicking that Coke can down the road. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Y'all mind if I get a little bit hard on men here? You see, look, look. Um, let me show you something on page 41. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that he should be holy without blemish. Husbands ought to love their own wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are his members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. You see, the first thing that's accomplished when a husband dies for his wife is he begins to sanctify her. Say what? He's sanctifying her. You know what that word sanctify? Set apart. When that woman knows that you're about to live for her, it changes her thinking. He might sanctify her. How? By the washing of water through the word. How are you going to wash your wife in the word when you're biblically illiterate? You don't even know the Bible. Think about it. Then he might present her to himself without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. You say, well, I don't like this about her. I don't like that about her. It's your fault, dude. Do something about it. Oh, come on now. Y'all don't. I'm hearing all that shouting out in Facebook land. Yeah, that's the answer. No, no, just make that woman obey me. That's what you think the answer is. <laughs> I was a pretty tough guy, but I couldn't beat Diane into submission back before I got saved. She just wouldn't be beaten. Doesn't the Bible say train up a wife in the way she... No, that, I think that's another... I'm joking. Look, you. this is that you might sanctify her with the washing of water by the word. You see, having a biblical scriptural dialogue with your own spouse 
What a refreshing thing. Listen, dude, if you want a good woman, why don't you speak the word of God? How about getting some word in your own life so you can speak it to her? Do you realize what I'm saying here? Husbands, pastor your wives. You wonder why so many preachers get in adultery? I ain't saying it's unjustified, but I'm going to tell you right now, when that dude's praying for her, reading the word to her, counseling her, speaking to her, listening to her, what's your function, dude? What did you bring to the table? Just your manhood? Think about it. If you're going to have a relationship, it's going to be cultivated, folks. Oh, I'm going to get back. Are we going to hit this so many times during this subject? We'll get back to it during the communication, but let me just give you a little uh, sneak peek. The first thing God looked at with man, he said, it's not good for him to be alone. And he created wife, woman, and a covenant between them. It's not good for man to be alone. The remedy, man, to your problems is in your wife. And you say, you might look, there's so many men sitting out there right now. They'd look at their wife and they resent them. They don't like them. They're tired of them. All this kind of stuff. It's because you've not cultivated a relationship with them and you've not let her do her job inside of you and bring the communication out of you. Let me tell you something. Husbands, it's your job to pastor your home. And we can bring this into the realm of your children, the whole nine yards. It's your job to be the pastor of your home. It is totally. The Bible says, wives, submit to your own husband. Look, ain't no. I had a pastor say something to my wife one time. I said, ho, 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 dude. Wives, submit to your own husbands. Not to you. That ain't, that ain't none of your business telling my wife what to do. Go boss your wife, not mine. I don't boss my wife. You understand? Jesus is the boss of our lives. Husbands, if you're going to be a Christian man, it's time you get in the word of God. You get God's image restored in you. You get back into divine order with God. You let him make your spirit alive. You get submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You get in the word of God and say, what do you require me? I don't want to do my will anymore, God. What do you want from me? What would you have me to do? You've created me in this earth. You're recreating me in Christ Jesus. And you've given me this platform called planet earth to act out on this great stage you've created. Let me be all I can be and we together can walk together and bring you great glory in this earth. What a vision. Yet the enemy has driven a wedge in there. I've split a lot of wood in my life. You take that old iron wedge or that splitting maul and wow, wow, you drive hard enough and the hardest oak's going to split wide open. The enemy just wants to separate chiefest of friends. Don't let it happen. Some of you right now are so separated from your spouse. You live in the same house and you're not together. Oh, if we could see that restored. God wants to do it. 
All right, so, you know, I've noticed that men only want to talk about what they know. I, I, I understand this part of men. Men, men ain't going to say nothing unless they know it. Folk, men, men I'm, I'm encouraging you. Learn the word of God. Get in your New Testament. Read the words of Jesus. Let me tell you what. When, when I was a, a sinning man, I'd done so much damage to the relationship between me and my wife. Well, we weren't married at the time. My girlfriend, then Diane, but we're married now. I, I should never have been trusted again. But under submission to the Lordship of Christ, all I did was seek him. What do you want from me, Lord? Please, what do you want from me? I sought the will of God. And the longer I stayed at that, the more people around trusted it. It was a real thing. And it was out of that a restoration happened. Because Diane and I truly loved each other. We had just, I had done so much damage. She had done damage. We had said horrible things. And, and But through all that, well, well that's the power of the blood and the, and the new life in Christ. He put all that away and started a new life. And because I was seeking God's will, she was secured that I wasn't trying to give get her to do what I'm, I wasn't manipulating her to do my thing. We were looking for God's will. And when God got a hold of her, she was doing the same thing. And it, it, there's rarely a crossword in our home. Rarely. Glory to God. Oh yeah. Wives submit to your husbands. You know, if we start the conversation with woman, you need to submit to that man. Well, here he is over there. Either that dude don't ever say nothing or he says stuff he wish you wish you'd never hear somebody say. I've seen both kind. I've seen men that was just so rude, loud, obnoxious, cussing, railing. You know, I've seen men who won't say a word. I've seen all points in between. You say, wives, submit to that woman. That's how most pastors start. To, you just woman, you need to submit to this man. Listen to me. There's no place in scripture where it ever says submit to the devil. If your husband is so outside the will of God, I don't believe in just absolute carte blanche submission. Now, I believe this, that a wife can submit to the Lordship of Christ and absolutely serve Jesus with all her heart, soul, mind and strength. That her husband would think he done died and went to heaven. Where did this woman come from? Oh, what a gal. Huh? And by your good conversation, you'd win that man over because you take care of his home. Well, I could go right here. Learn how to cook, girl. That's step one. They got great videos out there. Learn how to cook. Man, keep the house up. Clean the place. Come on, man. Make that man come into a place of order. Wives, submit to your husband. Look, if your husband ain't, I've never told anybody to submit to a man who's out of the will of God. I always won't do it. I ain't going to tell him to rebel against him, but I say submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You can be a Christian. If your husband kills you, you can still be a Christian. You can be a Christian through thick and thin. Love Jesus with all your heart and be a godly woman. Humble yourself and just quit putting all your stock in the makeup of the world and start looking. Look, it ain't about the outward beauty. It's the inward beauty of the heart. You're going to love your man with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love him.
Wives, submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord. Let me tell you what, when a man is submitted to the Lord, there's not, you know, it's not hard to talk a woman into submitting to a man who's dying for her. But when that guy got an ulterior motive that all he wants to do is whatever he wants to do, and all he's trying to do is manipulate her to just, just you just stay over there and you know, like old Archie Bunker, stifle yourself, shut up over there, because I do what I do. Come on, man, that ain't the way to do. We'll get back on that in communication. If y'all stay around here long enough. Wives, submit to you. Now, there's some wives. See, I believe women are submissive by nature. I believe God put this in them for this because it's his divine order. Now, remember, they do have a dominion, created dominion heart in them. And so it's got to be brought under the submission to the Lordship of Christ. But let me tell you, there are some women who were raised in homes where mama was the boss. And they saw that. And so they think that's just the way it ought to be. You see, when you get this role reversal where women are walking like they're men, we're in that generation right now. We'll get on that next week. I'm going to be on that heavy on male and female next week. But right now, you just get out of role play. You're in the you're not in divine order. And when you reverse the roles and you've got a woman bossing the whole house around, I mean, it just it just just gets out of whack. You see, if a man gets derelict in his duties and will not submit to the Lordship of Christ, will not lead his home with the washing of water by the word, prayer, really pastor his home, he'll forfeit his anointing and his authority in that home. And then someone has to usurp it to pick it back up if you're going to have any kind of spiritual life. When that happens, if some woman picks that up, then we have a role reversal. And then to get back in divine order is horrible because she's running the show now. And even if he tries to get right with God, she don't trust him. And it becomes a real nightmare. To, to It can be done, but to see it put back in order where God, husband, wife, and peace is restored to that home. Look, there's some folks out there right now. I want to tell you, you think divorce is your answer? Or, or let me tell you, oh, you just don't understand my wife. You don't understand my husband. Tell me all. Look, I don't get you. Don't think I get it. 40 years of this. And I don't know how many hundreds we've counseled with. I've seen about every flavor. It's hard to shock me. And so what I'm telling you is it ain't better on the other side. Mostly because you're going to bring you into that next issue. and You become the common denominator. So hear me carefully. When we restore back to divine order, peace will come into your home. It's the first sign of order is peace, that my life is in, in, in right order with God. And then I'm in right relationship with my spouse and others. It goes on from there. It's a tremendous reversal. We've seen it again and again and again and seen marriages restored, healed, and, and, and their homes shine with the glory of God. It's, it's, it's just an amazing thing. Stay with me. Let's get, go a little further. By the way, let me just inject this. <clears throat> some women are just mean. There are some women, it ain't got nothing to do with what they saw their mama do or, or how their husband is. There are some women that are just evil. Can I say that out loud? Huh? Especially right now in this generation, when they get all out of whack, the, the humanistic thinking of right now, when it's so perverse that they've defeminized every women. 
where, where's the femininity of women anymore? Where is it? We've, we seem to have lost that. Where is the elegance of a true lady anymore? I mean, it seems that vulgar and, and the vulgar, vulgar look seems to be the sex appeal of our generation. That's not beauty. You might paint that flesh up to something or, 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 or dress it or tattoo it. I don't know what you want to do next, but I want to tell you right now, that's not beauty. That little butterfly on your arm going to be a pterodactyl one day. And what's your heart going to look like? Look, when the Bible says this, it says, Proverbs 21, 9, better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. Oh, help me now. Proverbs 27, 15, a continual dripping on a very rainy day and a contentious woman or a light. <laughs> Proverbs 30, three things the earth is perturbed. Yes, for four it cannot bear up. For a servant when he reigns, a fool when he's filled with food, a hateful woman when she is married, and a maidservant who succeeds her mistress. This word contentious, it literally means a contest. Look, when a woman wants to get in a contest with a man, right now, this is a big thing. Now men want to compete with women's sports. But come on, look, a contest with a man? Why do you want to fight with a man? Huh? I can beat up most of the women in the earth. I'm an old man and I can still whoop you, girl. Don't contest me physical content. And I mean, there's some tough old girls out there right now. They all MMA and stuff. I mean, I, I'll still beat you up, girl. I don't want no contest with no woman. And I don't sure don't want to hear you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like a chihuahua yapping all day long. Help me now. What is that going to serve? <coughs> you ever hear somebody who just can't stop, they just can't shut up. Before I became a Christian, I had an answer for that. Boy, it sure shut. I mean, you don't have a tooth right there. They, 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 they should shut up. I mean, it just shuts people up when you knock them in the mouth one time. Now you got a winner to Jesus. But there's some mean women out there. You can't blame your husband. You can't blame your parents. You can't. You just, you know what? We were talking a little earlier, right before this study. We're talking about the condition of people right now. I believe we're in the perilous times described by 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through, I think, 5 or 6. I believe that that condition describes the hyper-narcissism that we're in right now, where we have a whole generation of narcissists who were raised by narcissists that literally have lost all natural affection. I'm telling you, it is so bizarre, weird. The Bible called it perilous time. No natural love, no natural affection, no natural empathy. They only love themselves and they only love pleasure. And anything that interferes with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. How dare you interfere with me? I should be celebrated at all times. Some of your parents, you're worshiping these kids. From jump start, 
It ain't just a celebration of a birthday. We're going to have a worship service for my child. We're going to love him so much. We're going to celebrate him so much. Everything's a trophy. Oh, my dear. We're going to put bronze on your first poo. We're going to literally, we're going to literally celebrate. We're going to choreograph everything in step of your life. Oh, my baby. Nobody can keep that up all their life. You create this monster that no one can live with. And enough money on the planet to satisfy that terrible thing. I'm pretty sure I've just about offended everybody that's listening to me tonight. If Facebook lets this go replay, I'm just going to be really impressed with the glory of God and the power of God. To <laughs> Hallelujah. Let, let me let me let me finish this. <sighs> Ladies, I'm just saying the same way that a husband has to submit to Christ's lordship is the same advice I give to you. Some of you need to come under the lordship of Christ. Relearn your role. My goodness. You've so far away from the heart that God created in you. You don't even know what it means anymore. All you're doing is following the patterns of the world. Man, if you just repent and come down to your a humble place and say, God, fix me. Wow. Let me just reemphasize that marriage is this whole Ephesians five thing we've been talking about tonight is Christ in the church. It's literally a right relationship with Christ in his church. When we get this right and churches are so out of whack on this, churches are almost following the world on this. I'll tell you right now, going most churches, you got a flood of divorces. You got people fornicating and shacked up. You got homosexual marriage. You got everything, everything the world has. Right there in your chair. You got transvestite sitting in the. I'm telling you, it's the exact same thing as the world. The church should be different. Now, if Facebook don't understand that, that's just their problem. If I'm violating community standards, so be it. The, the, the will and the word of God are different from the world's standard. The church is a called out assembly. We're called out of the world. We're different. We're different. Husband and wife are in covenant with one another. That's number one. All right. You're not going to get in covenant in a proper covenant with one another unless you're in a proper covenant with Jesus Christ. And mutual submission is the key to this great marriage. If we'll start from a mutual situation, a submission where we're first mutually submitted to Christ then to one another. Remember the little old chipmunks on that cartoon, Chip and Dale? You go first. No, 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 no. You go first. No, I insist you go first. I mean, we're tr out trying to not uh, trying to out nice each other. The whole cartoon. I think if we could just try to out love each other. I mean, just stay at it. Divine order. God, husband, wives, children are under all that. They're not in first place. I pray that God would begin to use these words to get your home back in order. First, get your life in order, then get your order and right to the Lordship of Christ. And then with one another, husbands and wives, the rest will iron itself out. God bless you.
You have a blessed week. Hope to see you next week. Thank you for coming or tuning in. We are so thankful that you joined us for this teaching today. It's our sincere prayer that many of you would be born again through hearing God's word. If you were blessed by this podcast, we would love to hear from you. For more information on Oikos Ministries, visit us on our website, www.housechurchesusa.com.